The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You are entering the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour with Josh Dunn and Anchu Kana. You are now in the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour. I am Josh Dunn. I am joined, as always, by Anshu Kana. Anshu, how are you this evening? I am doing great, Josh. How's it going with you? It's going well. Uh, you know, it was fun recording our recap of Week 2 just a day ago, and I feel like it's going to be just as fun, if not more, looking ahead to Week 3, Anshu. So what do you say we get to it? But before we do, before we do... Let me just tell you about our friends over at Yahoo Sports Daily Fantasy. I know you guys have heard us talk about them before, and all of our promo codes are going to remain the same, and that is pod25 on yahoo.com slash dailyfantasy. They've officially released their Daily Fantasy Football Contest. They've got the $1 million no management fee and $100,000 to first place, meaning more money goes back to you. The players, they still have the 10-entry max. You're not going to be playing against people with 150 lineups like you see on some of the other sites. And Yahoo also has a $100,000 guaranteed contest, so there's going to be a lot of prizes out there for you guys. And if you're just getting started with Daily Fantasy Football, join the free-to-enter Yahoo Cup and play all season long. That's $150,000 in weekly and season-long prizes. And if you get a perfect lineup, you win $1 million, aren't you? $1 million. Oh, I know I could use a million dollars. Definitely would help yes. me pay for this damn wedding. Uh, but get started now at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. And again, use our promo code pod 25. All right, aren't you? We, uh, we, we've, we've kind of set the tone and set the theme for how we're going to do things this season. Obviously this becomes a very heavy football show when football season gets underway. We kind of forget baseball exists. Uh, so we're looking ahead to week three. Basically we're just recapping the week before looking ahead to the week ahead. And that's what exactly what we're going to do. We're going to talk about it from fantasy. We'll mix in some DFS conversation and we're going to look at the betting lines as, as brought to you by our friends over at Bovada sportsbook.com. And uh, we'll start with a Thursday night game on Bovada and that is Tennessee at Jacksonville. Um, Tennessee, Obviously, uh, coming off of the loss to Indianapolis, Jacksonville obviously dealing with the, the, the news of Jalen Ramsey wanting to be traded. Has been reported that Ramsey will play in this game, but Jacksonville's still a two-point underdog at home as we look here on Bovada. Yeah, I, I do like Jacksonville here at home against Tennessee. I like Gardner Minshew. I like, that they're, I like their vibe. Obviously, once they lose uh, Jalen Ramsey, it's going to be a totally different story for that defense. But for now, they still have him. And while it's not necessarily the full utilization of him against the Tennessee off pass offense, that is dreadful to say the least. Um, you know, still having him to shut down a field and basically shut down Corey Davis is really nice to have. So, I, I mean, I have no idea how Tennessee gets the ball moving in the pass game in this one. Um, and, you know, that Jaguars front is still pretty damn good. So uh, I definitely lean Jacksonville on the money line here. Who's most likely to, to, to provide you with some 
offensive output on on Tennessee. I mean, Gardner Minshew's actually outpassing Marcus Mariota so far this year, if you could believe that. He's got 488 <laughs> yards to Mariota's 402 on six more attempts and 12 more completions. I mean, that to me is surprising in and of its own. I mean, Minshew obviously was a seventh-round pick out of Washington State. Mariota also played on the West Coast, but he was a, what, number two overall pick out of Oregon? That's right. From? Yep. From? Yeah, behind Jameis Winston, your boy. But yeah, the over-under in this game is 39, so Vegas does not expect many points in this one. I look to the running backs. I look at Derrick Henry and Leonard Fournette. I, I talked about Fournette a little bit on our last show. I expect him to go absolutely off in this game. Uh, if you're playing like a Thursday-Sunday slate, I think that Leonard Fournette becomes pretty interesting. Uh, I just feel like they're going to feed him short passes down the field. And then you mentioned Minshew going down the field. And a big reason why is because of DJ Chark, who was their second round pick out of LSU last year, obviously has a ton of speed. We talked, we've talked about DD Westbrook a ton over this uh, season in the preseason, but um, I feel like shark is shark is their, their guy. And um, I, I, at least Minshew's guy. And I think that uh, he continues that super talented ability that he has here against Tennessee in this game. Fair enough. All right. What about Atlanta at Indianapolis? We just talked about uh, Indianapolis and obviously what they were able to do against Tennessee a week ago. They come in now as a home favorite one and a half points to be exact. We look at Bovada. I'm a little surprised that Indianapolis is the favorite here, especially with Atlanta coming off of the victory against Philadelphia over under here set at 47 on Bovada. What do you think about this one? Yeah, this this one smells kind of bad, and that's why I will lean with the Colts. I, I mean, I know that we talked about the Falcons. They're they're a better team. They're definitely more fantasy-friendly. Um, you know, this Colts team may just be like the Titans, but their defense is good. And this Falcons team, just so many injuries. Chris Lindstrom is going to IR. Caleb McGarry, I find very unlikely to play. Keanu Neal is, is banged up. It's just the same old for them as last year. And actually, if you can believe it, on Pro Football Focus, Jacoby Brissett has a higher grade than Matt Ryan. So um, I'm not saying that Brissett's going to outperform Ryan from a fantasy perspective, but I think that you know his abilities to control the ball are a little bit undersold. And I think that this offensive line for the Colts can absolutely dominate Atlanta's defensive line. So I expect a low-scoring game. I actually love the under in this more than either side on the line. I think they'll put up points. I know 47 is a little steep, but uh, I think that these two teams are, are going to put up points. I don't know. I, I, I probably wouldn't take the under, but I, I could see why one might. I, I, I still – I know you like you like Indy in this one. I, I like Atlanta. I like them to continue with the momentum. I, mean, I know Matt Ryan threw three interceptions last week. I know things haven't looked great in the run game. Uh, I just think with that passing attack – they have so many different ways they can attack you, and they, you saw both Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones kind of get things going last week after Julio started slow in week one. Calvin Ridley did have a good game in week one, uh, but I think that they're going to continue to do more of that, and I think that they get both of those receivers involved once again. I think Hooper could have a decent game in this one. I think it will be I think it will be a game where we'll, we'll see some points, but I'm, I'm probably not confident enough in saying that to take the over, um, but I, I'm not as confident in you of taking the under in this one. I just I feel like they're going to run the ball, but yeah, I, I, it's going to be an interesting, bizarre game. I think. Yeah, I think it could definitely be. I wouldn't be surprised if if it goes either way. But I, I lean Falcons just because I, I I guess I maybe it's the recency bias in me talking, but I think that just the weapons that they have will overpower the Colts, and and I think the Colts, although they also have weapons, Marlon Mack's a little bit banged up. 
Uh, and, and, you mm-hmm. know, Jacoby Brissett's still trying to figure out whether or not he can take the reins. You know, he, he didn't throw for many yards against that Tennessee defense. And obviously Atlanta's not as good of a defense as Tennessee, but I think this could be a game where we, uh, where we still see both of these teams score some points. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on to the team uh, from, from the Indianapolis Colts to where they used to play, and that's the Baltimore Ravens going into Kansas City. Uh, they're going to go in as seven-point underdogs here at Kansas City. Obviously, Arrowhead's a really tough place to play, but I think – the on Bovada, I mean, Baltimore is getting some respect to come in as only seven point dogs. I know they're two and zero. I know they've had two big wins, uh, but to come in as only seven point dogs against this offense on the road at Arrowhead, fifty three is the over under in this one. Are you surprised at all to see it uh, is this close? And I know seven's not close, but Baltimore in Kansas City. I think if we would have looked at this line before the season started, it would have looked a lot worse. Yeah, for sure. No, I think this is a sign of respect for the Ravens, if nothing else. Like. But you do take Tyreek Hill out of the equation, and I I actually I like the Ravens here, plus seven on the road in Arrowhead. Obviously, like you said, tough place to play. This is easily the game of the week. Going to be, I think, a really fun game, hopefully. I mean, I, I assume that Kansas City will be able to move the ball on Baltimore the way that Arizona was at times able to do so against them as well. And to me, I feel like the running back injuries aren't going to play a factor for Kansas City because, as we saw with Arizona last week, you need to spread them out. You need to, you know, Jimmy Smith, that secondary without Jimmy Smith is going to be one that they can pick apart. And the Kansas City Chiefs, kind of an underrated, decent coverage grade for their defense uh, in, in that secondary. So while, you know, you assume that you can just light them up, um, I'm not sure that that's the case. That being said, I, I'm i just excited to see Lamar Jackson on the road in this big spot against Kansas City. And I just feel like Baltimore's defense is too good to be giving seven points to anyone. Um, so I, I, I do like Baltimore plus seven here. Yeah, I think it's a little steep. I think that the the Chiefs, obviously, their offense is just through the roof crazy. But if there's going to be a defense that's going to kind of hold them back a bit, I, I agree with you, Anchu. I think I think Baltimore can do that. I ultimately think Kansas City wins this one. Um, and and uh, I think I kind of like the under. 53 is a lot of points when you look at these yeah. two teams. I know that you know everybody expects Mahomes to put up points in every single game that he's in. But I wouldn't be surprised if this is the game that we saw him play against Jacksonville a year ago. Where it's just, it's just a, a lot lower scoring affair than we expect. So if, if I like an under, that 53, I mean, that's that's a lot of points to get to when you look at this Baltimore defense. It is at home. If it was on the road, I would totally agree. At home, it's it's a tougher one, but I do I still agree with you. I think it's going to be a lower scoring game. If anything, you know, maybe the 53 hits because Lamar Jackson's able to get at this Kansas City defense, but I, I do, you know, Kansas City hasn't really been, te- or I'm sorry, Baltimore hasn't really been tested. I'm not sure that this is a huge test, but still playing an arrowhead against a good team is is always going to be a little bit tough. So um, I'm just, I'm super pumped for this game. I think it's it's clearly the game of the week. Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, I'm starting to feel like this is Christmas morning or my you know, my birthday was when I was a kid and I'm opening up all these presents and I just don't know when I'm going to come across that lock of the week. And I sure as hell hope that it is not this particular game that we're going to go over next year in the 12 o'clock slate. And that is the Cincinnati Bengals going on the road to take on the Buffalo Bills. They go in as six-point dogs as far as Bovada is concerned. 44 is the over-under. I kind of like the over here. I I don't know what you think. I mean, obviously this is a must-win for the Bengals. For sure. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I like the over too. I feel like they're going to go in there and throw the ball a ton. We saw them do it already. Cincinnati, that is um, one of the biggest we we talked about on the last show, but one of the biggest neutral game pass positive scripts in the league. So Zach Taylor wants to chuck. And, you know, this is a team that 
you know, their front is just going to dominate the Bengals front, I think. So they're going to want to pass. They are not going to want to run Joe Mixon, uh, somewhat banged up Joe Mixon into that front. So I think the way to beat Buffalo on the road is going to be to spread it out and toss it around. And, um, you know, I'm excited to see it. So I, I do like the over as well. And I also think that Josh Allen is going to, you know, have maybe not have his way with the Bengals defense, but they, we talked about their tackling. Their tackling's just got to be way better. If they tackle anywhere near what they like they did against uh, since against uh, San Francisco last week, the the over is uh, an absolute lock. Yeah, they stink. The Bengals are just not good. It's gonna <laughs> it's gonna come down to who's healthy and who's playing on that offensive line because they. I mean, I think the tackling will get figured out. I don't think it can be nearly as bad as it was in in week two. But uh, the offensive line's the big question mark here for me because that Buffalo defensive front is. Very good, and I know that Andy Dalton will be feeling it in his face quite a bit if they don't have a lot of those guys back here in week three, and a lot of that remains to be seen. All right, let's move on. I, I feel like it's just going to be one of those years where every time we talk about the Bengals, I go into a deep depression. So let's talk about your Green I Bay like Packers. I like them getting to six, for the oh, record. Okay, all right, pandering. Uh, it's not a lot. <laughs> don't worry. Fair enough. All right. Well, let's go to Green Bay. Uh, let's talk about a team that's actually done something this year, and your Green Bay Packers come in as a big favorite in this one. Seven and a half is the line. Bovada likes your Packers. The over-unders at 43. This could be a game where you see two teams traditionally known for being good on the offensive side of the ball. Denver obviously traditionally has a good defense as well, uh, but uh, they both look like defensive ball clubs so far this year. They do. And so 43 seems about right. I wouldn't bet that total either way because I could see the script flipping in both directions. I I do think that the Packers, their suggested total here is around 26. I I think that's an interesting one on the over for them. I I do think that they're going to get their stuff together a little bit, but I also could see this being a run heavy game script for the Packers. So going to be interesting, but playing at home with that defense, I think is a a good sign. So if you're looking for a sleeper survivor team on the money line, I think that that's interesting for the Packers. Um, I, I, I mean, the other side of this is Vic Fangio has had Aaron Rodgers number throughout his career. And so I wouldn't expect a whole lot of Rodgers. I'd be fading him in DFS. Um, you know, it's just been a tough start for him when you think of the Bears, Vikings, and then Broncos, just not the easiest trio to go up against to start the season. So that's an avoid for me. Uh, but at the same time, you're obviously always starting Devontae Adams. And I mentioned this on the last show. I love Marquez Valdez-Scantling in this game. Um, I think that he goes absolutely berserk. I think that Cortland Sutton is a pretty interesting start because he'll likely be up against Kevin King on the Packers, where Jair Alexander seems likely to shadow Emmanuel Sanders throughout the game. Yeah, and and those two guys are definitely kind of due. I know that you really like MVS, and I've talked a lot about Cortland Sutton, especially coming into this year and a little bit last year when we talked about the Broncos too. I think he's a guy that could could take a little bit of that coverage pressure away from Emmanuel Sanders, and obviously Emmanuel Sanders had a lot of catches last week. He'll be shadowed quite a bit to your point. So I do I do think Cortland Sutton is a good a good eye there. And with the Packers, it's just tough because you don't know if it's going to be Valdez Scantling, you don't know if it's going to be Allison, but I think one of those guys is going to beat you like we uh, like we talked about in previous weeks. All yeah, right. Let's move on to another team in the NFC North. The Detroit Lions will go on the road to take on the banged-up Philadelphia Eagles. Storyline here is going to be whether or not Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson play, and it's looking very, very doubtful that either of them do. But even with that, the Eagles still six-point favorites against the undefeated Lions, as we talked about on the last show. 
Yeah, this Lions team, again, they want to take the air out of the ball. Um, obviously, Stafford Stafford's passed a little bit more this season than I expected with Daryl Bevel as his coordinator, considering Bevel's history with Russell Wilson in the past with Seattle um, and Matt Patricia's desire to just run the hell out of the ball. But I think that that changes here. Um, they're going to have to pass because Philly's defense is so strong up front and so much worse on the back end. But um, as you alluded to, like the lack of pass catchers is going to be a little bit tricky for Wentz. I, that, that being said, I still like them with the six. I think that they, even with those guys or without those guys, they still, they're still a lot of town here. JJ Ortega Whiteside is awesome as a receiver, super talented second rounder from Stanford. Um, Nelson Aguilar obviously has a ton of history with Wentz. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I, and then you've still got Zach Ertz. You still got all those running backs that can catch the ball. I still feel like the Eagles at home are going to get the job done against this Lions team. I feel like the Lions are a bit of a fraud right now. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, is this the game where you think Miles Sanders could break out? I also, before you answer that, that over is, is just staring me right in the eye. 45 and a half. I mean, I, I like that. I do too, because again, the Lions are going to have to pass. I don't necessarily think, unfortunately, this is the Sanders game. The Lions have a really good front uh, in terms of rush defense. And while Eckler got his last week, I think that he averaged under four yards a carry. So um, unless the Eagles are totally committed to Sanders, I think it's going to be tough. But, you know, if game script is positive, then Sanders is going to get a lot of burn. And maybe in the second half, he ends up going off. Uh, It's just tough with the Eagles because of all those running backs that they have. I I have no doubt in my mind that at some point this season, Doug Peterson is going to completely hand the reins over to Miles Sanders, but I just, I'm not sure that this is the game because of Snacks Harrison, because of Mike Daniels and that, that front for Detroit uh, under Matt Patricia. All right, Archie, we're about to go through a serious gauntlet. I mean, these are some tough games uh, when you look at these lines. I mean, you've got the Dallas Cowboys at home against the Miami Dolphins and the New England Patriots at home against the New York Jets. You just, you just have to love the favorite here, even with these deep lines. I mean, the Dolphins, we've, we talked about how bad they are. The Jets, obviously, now down to their third-string quarterback. Even though at 22-and-a-half and 24 on Bovada, don't you still take the home favorites? I I think you kind of have to. I mean, the points, is it's just so many. It's but crazy. Uh, uh, It's crazy, but like I think it's more of a nod to how good you know the Cowboys and Patriots are. Uh, you know, in Vegas's eyes right now, I, I obviously the Dolphins and Jets are horrible. I, I actually, if anything, I kind of like the Jets there. I, I don't like the Dolphins. I, I'm done betting them. I, if I bet them <laughs> in the next month, just punch me in the face. Honestly, they're so bad. But, um, you know, I, I, I think the Patriots in a divisional matchup plus 22 and a half are semi interesting. And I would consider maybe betting them, I, but I probably wouldn't at the same time just because New England can score every single possession if they want yeah they can and it, the Jets I guess the Jets to me though like the reason that I I get where you're coming from in a divisional rivalry and all that but at home I just if the Jets would have shown me a little bit more offensively in, in that game against Cleveland because I think the Patriots have a probably a better defense than the Browns and they have a, oh, much, yeah. a much better offense in my eyes than the Browns and a lot more ways to beat you I mean, it's hard to compare week to week because so much can change week to week. But I just – it's almost unfair right now watching the Patriots. And I think the Cowboys are kind of getting to be on that level. They're not quite there. They don't have Tom Brady. But the Patriots are scary if they can stay healthy and Antonio Brown can stay out of, uh, you know, being suspended for sexual misconduct. Yeah. Then, then potentially this team could be one of the best ever. But 
I just I just don't see it with the Jets. I, I think Luke Falk, there's there's a lot to be determined on whether or not he can even manage a game because obviously he did that, but they didn't score any points while he was doing it. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, you've got me back on the other end now because that game was at home too. It's not even like that was in Cleveland. Right. So I'm, I, you know, what these two are both stayaways. I'm not, I may end up betting the Cowboys because the Dolphins are just so unbelievably atrocious. But you know, that'll the be Patriots, the one game they'll win. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> no chance. What do you think is more likely? I know this is a hot take topic, but real quick, what's more likely? The Dolphins go zero and sixteen, or the Patriots go sixteen and zero? More likely, yeah. The Dolphins go in sixteen. Yeah, I agree. I definitely because agree. the Patriots could rest people, you know, the last couple weeks of the year, or I don't know. I just I think there's a lot more ways that they lose a game than the Dolphins winning a game. I just right now I couldn't. I I, I can't see. Maybe the Dolphins will beat the the Bengals. <laughs> well, that's so ridiculous. They're not even fielding like a real team right now. It's absurd that they're just hemorrhaging players. They're going to trade a few more and, you know, just it's it's an embarrassment. And I'm like the ultimate tank guy for the NBA. This is this is like at a whole other level of tanking, though, because in the NFL, you just can't throw a team out there without looking embarrassing. Yeah, it's bad. I mean, while we're on that topic of of them tanking, do you think Kenyon Drake finds a, a suitor? I know we talked about him a little bit on the last show. Yeah, I, I would have to think so. And I, I think that that's a good move for some team that wants to be bold with, you know, a guy that can potentially com- contribute in a committee and, you know, give you a little something on special teams. I think that he, look, two years ago, he was like a league winner in the playoffs. So he's not far removed and he's been in big games at Alabama. I like Kenyon Drake a lot and I like Jakeem Grant a lot too. All right, fair enough. Let's let's get out of this. Uh, this could be like a double dumpster fire of the week situation. So let's yeah. just move on from it. We got to round out the twelve o'clock games or one o'clock okay. if you're on the East Coast. Oakland Raiders travel to Minnesota. Oakland coming off of kind of a dumpster fire themselves, which is probably a reason for this uh, this Bovada line at plus nine going into Minnesota. Minnesota kind of needs to bounce back after losing to your Packers. Hey, the Raiders outscored the Chiefs ten to nothing in everything that wasn't the second quarter. But yeah, that it's it's bad. Um, they were it's the little victories. Very, yeah, it's the small victories. They're not good. I I don't think Minnesota is very good either because they are fully committed to running the ball. So well, Kirk Cousins um, is not good. We can agree on that. Yeah, dude, fourteen to thirty-one for under two hundred yards and a couple picks, a lost fumble or two. I mean, Minnesota looked bad on the road last week against Green Bay, but I mean, at least they're passing game. You're right, Kirk Cousins specifically. Um, I I don't have any feel on that line at all. I I do have Minnesota in a survivor pool I'm in, which I'm scared to death of, but I still think that they're a good bet to at least win this game. Fair enough. All right, what about the 3 o'clock slate or 4 o'clock on the East Coast? We've got uh, the New York Giants going into Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, big favorites here. This will be the first we see of Daniel Jones, at least in a starting role. Yes, it is, and I think we'll see Sterling Shepard back from that concussion. We've got Evan Ingram. They're slowly getting their pieces back together. I think the Giants are kind of an interesting uh, underdog play here, both on the money line and with the points. I I just – even with the, the extra couple of days for Tampa, I just don't think that they had anything going that they wanted to from that rainy Thursday night against an injured Cam Newton. So, uh, you know, I think that there was some some fool's gold in that game. I do like Peyton Barber in this one, especially in DFS. So I know he's not a sexy option, but you can I think it's a good contrarian take to take him in DFS. Um, and but yeah, I like the Giants plus the points here a lot, actually. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I want to say this is the game where Jameis figures things out, but I've I've made a fool of myself doing that too many times. I, I tend to agree with you. I think the Giants will be better than people expect with Daniel Jones at the helm. I know everybody just got sick of the pedestrian Eli Manning, and I'm surprised they were able to make the change this early on in the, this season. I thought we were going to see five or six games out of Eli, but obviously with the Giants kind of in tank mode themselves, they want to see if they've got something with this kid. I mean, they were willing to go up and – get him at what, what, what the sixth overall pick in the draft. And, yep. you know, they want to see if him and Saquon can be the, the future of this team. And what better way to do it than go into Tampa against the team that likes turning the ball over. So <laughs> I, I, I kind of like that plus seven myself as well. I think Tampa Bay probably crawls away with a home victory here, but uh, I think it could, it could definitely be a close one. So I'm going to, I'm going to agree with you and, and go with the giants with that points there. Uh, yeah. Okay. Let's 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 round out the three o'clock. We've got a few more here before we get to the the night games. But uh, Houston will go on the road to take on the Chargers. These are two game two teams that are coming off of games that they probably would have liked to play better in. Obviously, the Chargers lose one that they probably shouldn't have, and Houston barely comes away with a victory against Jacksonville. Uh, but the Texans are the underdog on the road here at plus three at on Bovada. Yeah, it's really an interesting line because I think it's it's basically a deference to the fact that the Chargers are occasionally going to go on the road and totally tank it and then come back and win. Um, remember, they barely beat the Colts in week one, too. They could easily be 0-2 right now. Mike Williams is banged up. No Hunter Henry. No Derwin James. Um, no uh, Russell Okung at left tackle. I mean, they're they're pretty banged up. And so I kind of like the Texans on the road. I'm I'm not betting this at all just because – I, Rivers is just so unlikely to be bad a couple weeks in a row. And um, I think that Eckler will be able to get his against this Texans front. Um, but, you know, I, I it's it's an interesting game. If nothing else, I think that the over is going to be real interesting here as well. Yeah, I like that at 47. I, I, mm-hmm. I know we talked a little bit about this on the last show and how Duke Johnson hasn't really been involved. I think this could be a game where they get him involved. Los Angeles is a team that likes to bring the heat with the defensive front, and I think that they're gonna. I think Houston's gonna be in a situation where their offensive line is gonna struggle to keep uh, Deshaun Watson from being hit, and, and obviously he's been hit already quite a bit this season. So they're gonna have to get the ball out quickly. I don't know what it's been. I, I don't know why they haven't gone to that a little bit more. I mean, that's kind Agreed. of what what they brought him in to do, and they've used. Carlos Hyde, you know, significantly more, which is fine. I get that. You want to use him as kind of your workhouse horse back. That that makes sense. But I think this could be the game where we see a little bit more of Duke out of the backfield. And totally if, if we don't at this point, I don't know that we ever will. So I think this could be the game that that could happen a little bit more from a fantasy standpoint. It's so it's so interesting to me how new guys get worked into an offense more quickly than others. Like Carlos Hyde comes in after Kenny or whatever, right around when Kenny still does at well after Duke Johnson. And suddenly he's their guy that they give 20 touches to like out of the clear blue sky. I know that part of it is because he's running and he's not like running routes like Duke Johnson, but it's just odd to me, especially because I don't think he's as talented as Duke, but you know, some backs just fit some systems better. And Carlos Hyde's clearly through two weeks seems like the better fit for Houston. Yeah, that's, that is a great point though. And we see this all the time across the league. You see a name who gets picked up by another team and you expect that name to be the name that he's been. And it just doesn't work out in that new system. Exactly. Damian Williams, like a perfect example of that. He comes to Kansas City and he's a league winner late in that season. C.J. Anderson, same thing. Latavius Murray, who came out of the gate hot and now he's slowed down quite a bit. When the New Orleans Saints are going to go to Seattle, Seattle the home favorite. They're going to try to improve to three and zero. And obviously, with Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill, I don't even know. I kind of like the Seahawks at minus four and a half at home here. 
I absolutely love the Seahawks at four and a half, but I have to ask before I make the comment, do you have a Panthers Cardinals line or no on Bovada? No, they don't have it up. Okay. So then I will make this my lock of the week, the Seahawks at home against the saints. I would buy it down to minus three. That is my cop out here, but I would, I would pay up the extra 80 cents on the dollar basically to get that. And um, I, I do like Seattle. I, I think that they are going to get this job done against New Orleans at home. I like that. Well, let's let's touch on we'll the call shoe it, in. We'll, we'll call yeah the shoe end of the week. Thank you. We'll yeah. call the Panthers Cardinals a pick because I don't see a line. I'm looking at a couple places. I don't see a line anywhere for this one. It might just not be out yet. Maybe they're they've adjusted it. Um, they're but, waiting but, for Kyle Allen. Exactly. Yeah. So wait to see what happens with Cam Newton. Uh, let's call it a pick 'em, though. I mean, Arizona, you would think, would be favored if Cam doesn't play. But what do you like? Let's just talk through this game. Obviously, if Cam doesn't play, it sounds like they will not go to Will Greer, um, to your point. And, and obviously, that kind of hurts some of the value of guys like Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore. Uh, but what do you like with Arizona here, if, if, uh, if whether or not Cam plays on the offensive side of the ball? Yeah, this is my – so I see plus two and a half for Arizona. Um, if I could get that, that is a, the shoe in for sure because I love – I think Arizona's got something going here. I think they found something late in that Detroit Lions game and then, you know, in that tie, and then they, they looked pretty game and up for it against a very, very good Baltimore defense on the road. So I think that they'll commit to the run a little bit more. I think you'll see a ton of David Johnson and a lot of that spread pass game. And very soon – they're going to unlock the Kyler Murray run design run game. And once he's comfortable and he's able to do that, I think that's going to give them a new dimension that they haven't had yet. So I really like Arizona. I think I'm going to like them more and more as the season goes on. But to me, this Carolina team desperate straights at 0 and 2. And if they're underdogs here, I really like I, I love Arizona at home. Yeah, I think for Carolina, it's going to get worse before it gets better. And even when Cam Newton's playing, he doesn't look like the old Cam Newton. He has not been good right. when he when he's been been out there. And uh, you know, you look at Arizona. You know, David Johnson, he he looked a little bit banged up at times, but he's going to get going again. You've got Larry Fitzgerald looking like he's ten years younger. Uh, I mean, things have just been working. Christian Kirk is doing what they expected him to do in week two after kind of a slow start in week one. Mm-hmm. They just have so many different weapons on the offensive side of the ball. So regardless of you know, what their defense will bring. I think that this is a team that's going to stay in a lot of games late and they'll, they'll get some surprise wins as the season goes on. So I think your point is very well taken there. Yeah, I know. I love Christian Kirk too. And the one thing to look out though for though, in in terms of a sleeper is if Kyle Allen is playing, he had a clear connection with Curtis Samuel uh, in the preseason. And we heard a lot about Curtis Samuel talks a lot about Curtis Samuel in the preseason. A lot of that was because of Kyle Allen and Week 17 last year, they also had some big-time connections. So I would look at Curtis Samuel as a deep DFS sleeper uh, if Cam's not to play and Allen does. Point taken. I will definitely take that into consideration, my friend. All right, one more game on the, the afternoon slot. That's the Steelers going to San Francisco to take on the 49ers. The Niners, seven-point favorites. I think that's due in large part to your boy, Mason Rudolph, at the helm for the Steelers on the road. And I like the Steelers plus seven. I mean, I I think that the San Francisco team obviously had an amazing game last week. Their defense is definitely much improved. But um, like we've talked about ad nauseum, like the Bengals tackling was so abysmal in that game. And they were so out of position at times that I just don't really buy San Francisco being the type of team that it looked like last week. And obviously I was already a little bit of a hater since I picked the Bengals as my lock last week. So maybe you know i'm tripling down here but i do like pittsburgh on the road 
getting a touchdown. I just don't think there's that big of a difference, even with Mason Rudolph at the helm. So Steelers still have a bunch of weapons. I expect all those guys to play Connor and co. And so um, I do like Pittsburgh to cover that spread. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a bold move. I, 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 I think that you, I think that you still like Mason Rudolph and that's, that's a, got what it's a lot true. to do with it. And I, I don't disagree with you on that. And I don't, I, I don't know him as well as you do because I know you followed him quite a bit uh, with, with your draft analysis, but I will say I'm still not a believer in San Francisco, even after that big win. I mean, obviously they have weapons and they have yeah. guys they can beat you with, but you're going to get a lot of inconsistency out of Jimmy Garoppolo this year. And I feel like no, this no. could be a game where you, where everybody's high on the Niners and they come in and they just lay an egg and the Steelers, you know, the Steelers aren't, aren't going to be a team that's going to just roll over and, and drop to 0-3 easily. They're, they're going to put up a fight. And I, as much as I hate to say that, I, I think the Steelers could win this game outright. So at plus seven, as much as I don't know how how much of a believer I am in Mason Rudolph, I think that that defense is going to keep them in this game, and I think that the Steelers will make it close regardless of whether or not they can come out on top. What would it take for you to believe in this Niners team? Like, I, and I'm I'm on the same boat, so I'm just interested to hear your perspective because I think you're kind of my proxy for this. I so part of it is they don't have a superstar on on the on the offensive side of the ball. And I don't get what they're trying to do with – I mean, it worked very well against the Bengals, don't get me wrong. But Marquise Goodwin, you have, uh, you know, the three the three-headed Samuel. monster. Debo Samuel looked good against the Bengals, but I don't know if he's – I mean, he's I don't. He's definitely not a superstar, at least at this point. And mm-hmm. you, you have Mostert, you have Breida, and you have, I guess, Jeff, Jeff Wilson, Wilson Jr. Yeah. I don't, I just don't get, I don't get what they're trying to do. I, I don't, I don't see it. I it just, it, it, it's, I'm not there yet. I think George Kittle's probably the one superstar on the, on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. And I don't know that Garoppolo is the type of quarterback that can make him a superstar. I guess I just need to see more out of Garoppolo. I need to, I need yeah. to be, I need to be proven wrong about him being bad. I, I, think, I think that really is what it comes down to because I don't think he's very good um, he, it, the Bengals defense made him look good. They were so out of position in the secondary last week. I feel like it was just like there, there were just wide open guys anywhere on the field. He could look anywhere. He looks up and there's, there's a guy without a defender within 30, 30 yards of him. So I need to see more out of Garoppolo to be a believer. I guess that's what it is. If they come out and they cover the spread, I'm, I'm closer. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think he has to do that. And by the way, I don't think he will. Like, like obviously, I don't think he will. But I think that the Steelers defense is a good test for him, like an experienced defense with a coach who is defensive minded. Like, I, I I expect that to be the case. And and if he's able to do it against them, you know, maybe maybe there's another page to be turned here. But I, I'm far from from a total buyer here. And I thought even watching last week, it wasn't like Garoppolo's making amazing throws over the seam, you know, like it was there was a dump off screen for a touchdown for like 40 yards. And, you know, there was just a few play like and credit to Kyle Shanahan on that. But I'm I'm interested because I think that they are a team that could potentially tilt that entire conference if they're actually good this year. Yeah, I don't think they will be. I think they end up going eight and eight, seven and nine, something mm-hmm. in that range. Same. I wouldn't be surprised if it's worse than that, to be honest. But again, I, I don't, I, and I have nothing against the 49ers. I, I actually kind of like some of the pieces that they have. I just don't, I'm just not a believer in the pieces that they have being a playoff contender type of a team. And I, and I, think, I think the difference maker there is Garoppolo. And I just am not there yet with him. He can prove me wrong. He can get me there this season. If he does enough, I'm just not there yet with him. Yep. Totally agree. 
All right, we've got two night games. The Browns on primetime once again. This is an intriguing matchup, and the Browns at home against the Rams. They come in as underdogs at home, plus three on Bovada. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of offense to be watching for in this game. I kind of like the over. They have it at 49 on Bovada. Oh, seems really low. A lot of criticism of Baker Mayfield's quarterbacking, even with the pretty gaudy numbers. Thanks to that 90-yard touchdown for Odell Beckham late that kind of saved the day. But, um, you know, it still looked really disjointed to me against the Jets. And they have a lot to prove to me to look kind of like they did late last season. Um, a lot of what you said, I think, is coming to be somewhat true. I Like, their talent level is clearly so high that they are going to run over bums like the Jets without Darnold. But, you know, this is not a bum. And, you know, the Rams come rolling in as uh, three-point favorites on the road. It's really interesting. Uh, I love the over there. That is a really good call. And uh, I'm, I'm honestly, I, I feel like the Rams are a pretty good bet here, but I wouldn't bet it either way because the imply the implication then is that, you know, this would be the Rams by like nine against the Browns at home, which I think I wouldn't take Cleveland in. So tough call on that line for me. I like the Rams. I think that this is a comeback to earth game for the Browns after they really didn't look very good against the Jets in a game they should have won by 100. I just (laughs) – would you rather have right now, today, if you you were going into the playoffs knowing what you've seen out of these two guys in the first two games of the year, would you rather have Jimmy Garoppolo or Baker Mayfield? Oh, I would Baker Mayfield for sure for me. But he hasn't looked good, and it's not by that much. No, it's – it's not by a ton. Um, I mean, Garoppolo's won more games easily. Uh, and I like Kyle Shanahan a lot more than I like Freddie Kitchens. But, I, you know, there's if you're just telling me drop the quarterback into the system, I'm taking Baker over him pretty easily. Not nah, not that easily, actually. It's, they both have a lot to prove here this season, that's for sure. They, there's no way you can make a definitive commitment either way yet. I guess my point in even bringing that question up is I don't think of those two as very far off of each other. When you, yeah. If you were to rank quarterbacks in the NFL, and I think a lot of people would put Baker way higher than he really should be. And we you know, we have two weeks of, of tape and a second season to, to look at now. It's not just – you know, if you take away that 89-yard touchdown from Odell Beckham, what has is, what is Baker Mayfield really done? Yeah, not, not look, a lot. He's looked I mean, very mediocre, pedestrian, and he's not a rookie anymore, so you can't give him a free pass on that. So I honestly, I just, I, I, I know that it, it makes, you know, people like Browns fans that we, that we, t- we hang out with, we have a lot of friends who are Browns. <laughs> they're going to call me a hater and they're going to say that this is a biased opinion, but I'm, I mean, show me I'm wrong. Prove to me that I'm wrong. Give me tape. Well, like, yeah, I don't even think that you're, you're making that like, you also feel that way about Garoppolo and you have no reason to to hate him where like other people are obsessed with him. So I think that it's just, you know, you're going off what you see. And I think that's fair that they're both in that same position where they have, they have a lot to prove to, to us. So, um, you know, that's kind of the spot we're in. I think this is a great opportunity for Mayfield. I mean, if he, if he's able to beat the Rams at home on Sunday night, it's going to go a long way in my mind to uh, proving his worth, but I'm I'm just not sure I see it here. Yeah, and I think both of them, those two guys in particular, I mean, I know we, we mentioned the game of the week's probably Baltimore-Kansas City, but I think the two most intriguing games of the week because of that point alone is San Francisco against Pittsburgh and Cleveland against the Rams. I think I think both of those those guys, those two quarterbacks that we were just talking about, having home games against opponents like that, I think mm-hmm. that those are two games where we can kind of start to make a real judgment on on the, the, the type of quarterback you can expect to see moving forward this season. I mean, I think those are Great true call. enough tests. That's a perfect thing because 
they're both like both those defenses are sort of opportunistic, but they're both you know you can good quarterback would beat them pretty handily. So or not pretty handily, but you know would get theirs. And so I think that it's a really good point. And uh, I, they're both in a very similar spot. It's interesting to think about it that way. It's a, it's a good call. Yeah, and sometimes when I look at these games and, and, you know, we have to end it on Monday Night Football because we want to go by this in order, and then I see the Bears and the Redskins are what we have to <laughs> use as our grand finale, I'm just like, eh, maybe we should have changed things up. But nonetheless, <laughs> at least you get to, to tell me why Mitch Trubisky's no good and the Redskins uh, maybe are ready to move on from, uh, from Case Keenum. Yeah. I mean, all you need to do is look at Mitch Trubisky's total yards for the season. I don't necessarily <laughs> Is he over 100 yet? I think he had 120 last week, so big, big explosion for him to get into triple digits. But um, Case Keenum is 600, so that's pretty impressive. 605 touchdowns and I think one interception for Case Keenum. But None. obviously, obviously the Bears on the road. It's it's going to be, you know, it's the it's Washington. They're not very good. I expect the Bears to win this game going away. But uh, you know, Monday night in Washington, where they still have even like a tiny sniff of hope. There's a chance that it's interesting. They just don't have enough weapons to spread the Bears' defense out and make it somewhat interesting. So uh, I just I can't possibly bet on Washington in this one in good conscience. I want to say it so bad, I just don't believe it. Uh, I know, I, I, I really do. Like because I I feel like Washington like has been just like just good enough that they could be a team that could beat the Bears, especially after watching the Bears last week and seeing what Denver was Garbage. able to do. I mean, it, they look terrible, and I just. I, I don't know. I mean, I just – if the Redskins were just a little bit better, I know we've seen a little bit out of Keenum. I think, honestly, this this could be like a game that could extend Keenum's career. It could extend his season as a starting quarterback in a big way because you're going against arguably the best defense in the NFL. You have five touchdowns and no interceptions in 600 yards through two games. If they can, if he can go in and just – if he could go in and throw for 250 and a two touchdowns, he probably buys himself two to three games as a starting probably, quarterback at least probably buys himself a win too i mean because unless the bears do the smart thing and just turn around and hand the ball off to dave montgomery a bunch of times but you're right i mean and really when you think about what he did to the eagles defense who let's not they're not the bears by any means but you know done okay against two decent defenses this is a totally different animal for case keenum obviously and i've I got to tell you right now, the way the Monday night slate is shaping up, I've got a bad feeling that Case Keenum gets hurt early in this game and we see Dwayne Haskins. Easy. And, and yeah, I, I'm not rooting for it, but I just feel like that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it could. I, I wouldn't necessarily be surprised, but Keenum has looked good. The line has looked better than we expect without, obviously, their, the, the, the big left tackle there, but... It, Trent it's, yeah, yeah, Trent Williams. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in this game. I know it's not the most exciting game on Monday night, but I think the Bears, they, they need to win this to, to prove that they're still even a playoff contender at this point. And obviously for Washington, you're at, you're at kind of a crossroads. Do you move on if you go 0-3? Do you move on to the rookie quarterback like a lot of other teams are doing? Or do you stick with a guy who's been pretty darn good through two games that in their two games that you would expect them to get killed they had the Philadelphia Eagles if they didn't just kind of shit the bed in the second half, for lack of a better word. They had – I mean, they, they had stuck with the Cowboys for a lot of the game as well. So I just – those two opponents, it would be tough for me to move on from what was somewhat working, even though you're at 0-2, if they can somehow come out with a win against this Bears team. Yeah, I I mean, it would be really tough to bench Keenum. Like, because just – because the message you would send to your team is so bad. 
Um, and I, I find it interesting. So the spread is right around what? 41 and a half. That is so low. Um, so no faith in Vegas for Case Keenum to get the job done against the bears is what that tells me too. But by the way, this is just a precursor to the Monday night game of the year next week. You know what it is, right? It's Bengals Steelers. <laughs> it's Bengals and Steelers. Monday and maybe night. AJ Green, maybe, maybe. Oh boy, that'd be fun. That would be really fun. I'm rooting for that. That's his goal. His goal is to get there and play in that game. Obviously, he wants to play against his division rival, and I think we would probably... I mean, honestly, though, that's a pretty good matchup now without Ben Roethlisberger playing quarterback. Yeah, it is. It's a pretty fair, even matchup. I'm guessing, like, the majority of the country doesn't necessarily want to watch Dalton versus Rudolph, but I'm I'm here for it. I think it'd be fun. Dalton's Dalton's looking pretty good so far this year, buddy. He is. He's looking. He's he's his yards are way up. I'm excited about it. I'm telling you that I am. I'm just communicating what the country likely thinks. So the country's stupid. So I mean, easily fun. could be 0 and four after four weeks. Potentially, if they can get through this Bills game, could be two and two. And we're looking oh, at a, a season a lot, of, a lot a lot differently. But if they and lose to the Bills, they're they're dead. Home? Yeah, that's oh. that's probably a loss. <laughs> so they they would go two and fourteen if they win their next two. <laughs> oh man, Funny this is what we're true. here for. Yeah, this that's is what I'm here good for. Point. Good point. Hey, real quick, I know that we we made it through obviously the week three preview. A uh, lot lot there to unpack, but just real quick, couple of pieces of leftover food for you guys. We'll go with the leftovers and talk a little bit about the wild card race in baseball. Anshu, we haven't talked baseball in a couple weeks. And I don't want to belabor the point. I just want to hear your thoughts on the wild card race. It's starting to kind of take shape. We've got Oakland leading the way in the AL. Tampa Bay tied with the Tribe. Indians facing a lot of injury issues, but they do have won three in a row. They've won seven out of their last ten. Uh, so they they obviously need some help. But the Indians trying to make a late season push. And then in the NL, you've got the Nationals at one and a half games up on the Brewers and Cubs both tied. Uh, Cubs obviously facing some big big time injuries as well. Uh, Anthony Rizzo goes down. Javi Baez gets hurt. Uh, what do you make of these two wild card races, and, and how do you ultimately see it shaking out? Yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting. I The Indians have just totally beaten up on the Tigers. They've won 17 of 18 against Detroit this year, which is absolutely absurd. They get that sweep, uh, like you mentioned. And, um, you know, they're right in it. They're hanging around. And, I, I mean, their schedule gets a lot tougher here down the stretch. But I, I do think that, you know, Cleveland's going to be right there because of the the breadth of starting pitching that they get to throw out there. So if they can just hang around, I, I mean, their pitching is so good that they could potentially make a run. They do have um, some tougher games here upcoming. They have the Phil, they have the Phillies, and then they go to our White Sox before going to Washington. Um, and then I believe that closes out their season. But when you have Savali, Clevenger, Bieber, Plesac, and Pluko, I mean, pretty good uh, starting rotation there. For Oakland, oh man, like I don't know how this team is still hanging around, but they're so good. Homer Bailey tonight, an absolute star, 11 strikeouts in seven innings. Um, they're just taping it together, but stuff is working. Sean Manea's back and been awesome. Tanner Roark's been pretty good for them. Um, not sure about the rest of their their pitching, but you know they're they're doing pretty well. So they seem pretty likely to make it. And then Tampa, as we know, just likes to throw stuff together and just hope to get in. But they have a much tougher schedule. They have the Dodgers right now, then Boston and New York before going to Toronto to close out the season. So Indians have a real shot at this thing right now. Yeah, what about the NL? Do you think the Cubs can hang on? Obviously, the Anthony Rizzo news was not great. He's in a walking boot for at least a week, and they really need him through these last, what is it, 10 games or so? 
Yeah, it sounds like Rizzo and Baez could not, won't make it back unless they make the playoffs. But luckily for them, um, or maybe unluckily, they they have three games at Pittsburgh. That should those should be at least two of three. Um, they get St. Louis starting tomorrow for a four game set. They lose tonight to Cincinnati in a heartbreaker in extra innings, which was nice. And then so yeah, they play. They play uh, they play St. Louis seven times down the stretch, and that's going to be you know four at home, three on the road. That's pretty much going to decide if the Cubs make this thing or not. In the meantime, here comes Milwaukee. They are just on fire ever since we just, I buried them without Kristen Yelich. Um, they have San Diego for two more, then they go to Pitts. They have Pittsburgh at home, then they go to Cincinnati and go to Colorado. Those are winnable games against teams that aren't in the race. So, you know, they're right there. And then Arizona is another team that's kind of hanging around. They have at San Diego, then St. Louis, then San Diego again. So there are some teams with the chance to play spoiler. But right now, if you just look at the schedule, strictly the schedule, the Brewers are actually looking pretty good, even without Christian Yelich, to make a, a magical run here in the stretch. And I know you'd like to see that happen. Obviously, there's a lot to be decided, but it is a close race down the stretch. We've got about 10 games left, depending on which team you're looking at. So it'll be fun to see how things shake out. Uh, obviously, we're heavy football right now. So I just wanted a real quick touch on what's going on with the MLB wildcard standings. Anshu, anything mm-hmm. you wanted to add before we let our listeners get to their football weekend? Last thing, Fangrass has an awesome article on the White Sox and their use of this season. I'm going to be a total homer and just say, they are about to trampoline into contention. So a year from today, I'm hoping, buddy, that we are spending a much bigger carve-out of this portion of our show talking about the Chicago White Sox and their magical playoff run. Boy, I just got excited. And uh, baseball this time of year usually does not get me excited unless it's circa 2005 and I'm just graduating (laughs) from Boardman High School in Northeast Ohio. Oh, man. Yeah, I watched the White Sox win a World Series by myself in college. So, uh, yeah, I would much rather have that uh, than what I was doing. (laughs) I love it. All right, Anshu, that will do it here. We look forward to week three. Good luck with DFS. Use Yahoo. Good luck with your bets. Use Bovada. And good luck with your fantasy football. For Anshu Khanna, I am Josh Dunn. Our time has come to an end on the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour. We'll see you guys next week. (laughs) 